Hello and welcome to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Indeed, the first edition of the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. This is my debut. Uh, This podcast is essentially going to be me talking about Chelsea, all things Chelsea, um, what the club's been up to, results and general happenings. Um, I'm not entirely sure how frequently I'll be recording these podcasts. Um, I suppose it's dependent on interest and demand. Um, But today... I'm going to be discussing the upcoming season, where the club's at at the moment, the result of the Community Shield match that happened yesterday on Sunday, and generally what, you know, looking at what we can expect from Chelsea, and that is a very difficult thing to predict, because as we all know as Chelsea fans, it's a very unknown quantity, uh, our club. You never know what you're going to get. And I guess that is exciting and terrifying at the same time. Also, I will be answering your questions in this podcast. I reach out on social media, um, see if any you guys want me to read out any of your questions and you know, I'll deliver my thoughts on those. Um, I will also look to sometimes get guests on, um, get them to call in. We'll do small segments from other fans. And I'll genuinely be using Twitter as a big influence in terms of how I'll guide my content, you know, how what you guys think, what you guys enjoy, and I'll sort of nurture it from there. And yeah, that being said, let's get on with it. So let's get into it. Um, Chelsea Football Club, where are we at the moment? Um, let's go over the basics that we probably all know. We've recently sacked our Italian manager, Antonio Conte. Um, did kind of split opinion. I think probably the majority was happy to see him go due to, uh, you know, there was a sort of toxic essence in the club that we've seen before. Certainly players weren't happy with them. Um, and the results, I think, I think there was a sort of, we all got the gist that perhaps in the season he was throwing in the towel the, to a degree. I think the players felt like that a bit as well. There was that sort of evident game against City where we didn't even attempt to play. Um, which kind of makes an interesting comparison because there was a settled Conte team and he came out afterwards and sort of said, you know, I'm not so stupid to go out and try and play against this City team. You know, he had a sort of settled team then and uh, Pep had a less settled team than he does now. And a very underprepared Sari with a weaker team did come out and try and play football against uh, Pep's team yesterday, which um, I'm digressing a bit there, but it's something to think about. You know, these fans are getting upset that we lost 2-0 in a pre-season game, but the attempts of execution should make fans happy. Anyway, I'll go back to the story of Chelsea. So... The results got more and more negative. We dropped off in the league. We did have that FA Cup win, which was executed by, let's face it, a sort of very rigid and quite negative approach against Jose Mourinho, which had a sort of ironic humour to it, it being Jose Mourinho uh, and us beating him through his own sort of methods, really. So, I mean, that was fun in that sense. But generally... I think the majority of us knew Conte had to go through the context of the situation, which was sad because, you know, we loved him. We thought 
Well, I'm not sure any fans thought we had a long-term manager because that's difficult to think when you're a Chelsea fan, but when we saw him jumping into the crowd's early doors, you know, just being having this sort of joyful expression, this sort of childlike fun on the touchline, we all really, you know, we were all really into that and you know, great results came. It wasn't too negative all the time. Let's be, let's get it straight. In the first season, there was a few high-scoring games where we dismantled teams. Uh, arguably, that could be down to the formation change, how it was still uh, the free-for-free renaissance, or the free the back comeback in the league was still in its sort of um, infancy in that stage. So people were still trying to figure it out. So, you know, the first season was great fun. You know, history will be kind to Conte. He spent two seasons at Chelsea and won the two biggest domestic trophies you can win uh, in England, being the FA Cup and the Premier League. And I think we'll look back and smile. And we'll never really know what happened behind uh, closed doors of him and the club. You know, I think he clashed with Marina Granoskaya. Not even sure what his relationship with Roman was like, even if he had one. But there we go. The sun has certainly set on Antonio Conte at the bridge. So in classic recent Chelsea style, it took us a long time to get our new man in, Maurizio Sarri. More controversy. The owner of Napoli, uh, or the chairman, whichever, De Laurentiis, was playing a hardball to say the least, he'd, um, you know what, he kind of reminds me of the Daniel Levy of Italy, a really hard negotiator, he didn't want to let Sarri go for free, and um, Chelsea didn't want to pay for a manager that was essentially going to be out of a job, so everyone wanted to save face really, and uh, you know, I think with the signing of Jorginho, slightly over the odds, I mean, you know, the argument could be made that 50 million for a midfielder of his quality is an absolutely fine price for a Premier League team to pay, but I think there's a sort of general consensus that Chelsea cranked up the price on him a little bit, uh, and that covered Sarri, and the club, um, you know, Chelsea can sort of, doesn't have to look like we've paid a release fee for Sarri, and we've just managed to get a good player and get the manager for free. I think it's sort of like politics of clubs. That may be the true, I don't know. But interestingly enough, um, on a tangent quickly, there's uh, apparently similar motives with the overly priced Richarlison going to Everton to meet up his old gaffer, Marco Silva. How there was always bad blood between Watford and Everton and to sort of soothe over those wounds, they actually cranked up the price to Richarlison and everyone sort of nodded and shaked hands and the bad blood was gone. Perhaps a little bit of that with Maurizio Sarri, uh, Napoli and Chelsea. Maybe. Well, you know, I'm not even sure it matters, but I'm like speaking out loud. These <laughs> these theories and thoughts have been circulating. And, you know, listening to it kind of does make a lot of sense. So anyway, we've got Sarri. Sarri, um, incidentally, I said uh, Laurentiis, De Laurentiis is like the Le- Daniel Levy. There's a touch of the uh, Pochettinos about Sarri, a sort of new age expansive management style, yet no trophies. Also very good at managing what he's got. So let's talk about that. It's a very different style. I actually recently went on Love Sport Radio to talk about the appointment of Sarri and how it's different to what Chelsea have done 
of re- in recent years. It's a risk. Uh, Roman Abramovich allegedly has always wanted to bring attacking football to the bridge. Uh, he tried before Virch Boas, didn't really go very well. And you know when you've got people like Jose and Conte winning titles through their pragmatic, defensive, and rigid means, you can't really say much. You know, Chelsea fans don't really have that sort of. Um, I want to say an entitled attitude that maybe United fans have of our oh, we play attacking football. Chelsea fans were just, you know, we were just happy to win <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> so trophies are what matters, right? And the board and Roman and that, I think they all conceded to that. But lately, at the club, things are changing. We're seeing really impressive, expansive, beautiful football around us, such as, you know, your Man Cities, your Liverpools, and dare I say it, to an extent, Tottenham. You know, it works in this league and it looks great and it's great for the brand and it's fun and quite importantly and most notably it, it's good for the players, they enjoy it, which is kind of sort of starting to become more and more important for Chelsea. And I'll, I'll get onto that now actually, so we know with like Willian and Hazard apparently and some other players like Cesc Fabregas and even Antonio Rudiger's come out and he critiqued uh, Conte's defensive style at times saying, I don't know why we do this. I think he was dropped for a couple of games after doing that. So the players want to play this open football. The talent's there at Chelsea. The money's there at Chelsea. The sort of um, the uh, the status of being a big club is there to have the freedom afforded to us to play a good brand of football. And you know it's pissing the players off. Hazard is probably you know I know Real Madrid was his dream club as a kid. But when he's playing this defensive football over and over and over, he can't be helping his cause to stay. You know, he came to Chelsea after we won the Champions League to win the Champions League. And um, you have to play very fast in the Champions League, you know. And we were just sort of sitting back and, um, as uh, to quote Antonio Conte, suffering without the ball. So, yes, um, it's a risk in many respects getting Sarian because it's a change of style. Um, we've got, God, five odd years of this sort of pragma- pragmatic football dialed into our players at the moment. And, you know, we got to shake that. And uh, annoyingly enough, we got sorry very, very late due to all these complications with De Laurentiis and this, that and the other. And Conte too, getting him out, with paying him and this, that and the other. So we've got a very little window of time. And with that little window of time to implement new style... It's all up in the air with our big players, you know. Um, Willian certainly didn't want to stay around Conte if Conte stayed, but, you know, we got sorry, but there were still question marks over him because, you know, he wanted to go to Barcelona. I think he loved that idea of the move and I think he was upset with Chelsea because he's like, look, you know, Chelsea's been great, but they've offered you 70-odd million for me. You know, I know that's too much for me. Take take the money, you know, take the money and um, let me get my move. And he didn't, but I think he'll slowly feel better and get over it because um, there is the football that he likes at the bridge now. He'll get a chance to sort of knock it about quickly and hopefully score more goals and just, you know, have have more fun on the pitch. You know, sorry, had that incredible, uh, well, incredibly interesting first press conference when he talked about the joy in football. And football's about nurturing the inner child and happiness and quite profound words from our new gaffer. Um, and just what you want to hear, you know, for a guy who says he can't speak any English, he's saying some quite in- interesting and uh, inspiring stuff to a degree. So yeah, 
his football. That should please Hazard as well. Um, sorry if I'm jumping around a little bit on tangents. I'm just trying to get this information out while I think of it. You look at what uh, Sorry did to say Drees Mertens. He's like a similar sort of, um, kind of like a B-Tech Hazard, but similar build and kind of similar style. Obviously Hazard's a lot more talented. He exploded under Sari's coaching and his goal return just absolutely went up. What was it like? Oh, well, he went up to like 30-odd goals a season, which was extraordinary for in comparison to his previous return. I know he was moved up to the centre-forward position, but that was um, Sari's doing. So you think, what could Hazard do under this coaching? Now, we haven't heard from Hazard. He obviously had a very good World Cup. Um, and... You can you can only think that we, with his Belgium teammate Dries out there in Russia, they must have had conversations, and he, you know he must have seen what what Sorry did to Dries Mertens and think you know God damn I'd be interested in what he could do with me out there. So it makes you think like everything's on the table to make it right. It's just so frustrating the club has left it at this point. Maybe if we did it a couple of years ago, I know you'd make the argument to say. Well, then we wouldn't have this. Probably wouldn't have this extra Premier League and FA Cup under Conte. But Hazard knows he's at that ripe and sort of final big contract age where he can get that move. And <clears throat> and you know we can't really condemn him for that. He's given us nearly the best years of his career, six seven years, and um, he's been wonderful for us. You know he's never really been funny about it I mean he's sort of left his cards on the table a little bit with Madrid but that's just him being fair so he doesn't one day it doesn't one day look like he snaked us so it's interesting to see what happens with Hazard if he does settle I know he's happy in London and importantly as well he loves being loved he I know he comes across as a joker and he is actually quite humble but he does enjoy being the jewel on the crown at Chelsea and he would not get that at Real Madrid. We all know how they treat their players sometimes. They've whistled Ronaldo on occasions. And you know, he's quite the player as well. <laughs> um, and, you know, Hazard, regardless to his development or potential development at Real Madrid, he'll never replace Ronaldo's goals. He just won't. He's not that type of player, you know. And that's not um, a slow on him. It's just how it is. So it's uh, we'll have to see how it goes with, say, Willian and Hazard if they settle under Sari, if they get well implemented into the system and start loving football. I mean, theoretically, you look at all the sort of tangible things in front of us, they should be happy now. They've got this expansive manager. The style of football is finally as they wanted. So if they all do settle and forget about the moves, then they should be happy, right? I mean, uh, I'm not sure if Hazard would sign another deal but you know I one more year and then we've had him for like what seven years of his uh prime and then still get a decent amount of money from if we want to sell him and his value for an additional year in terms of aiding the transitional period of a different style and a different philosophy I think that would be invaluable uh, and you know who knows he might sign a new contract um, Alright, so while I'm still talking about the players, <laughs> seeing as this is what I uh, seem to be talking about now, I'm going to talk about Courtois. Uh, again, most of you probably know he wants to go to Madrid also. I think preferred destination, Real over Atletico, even though we know he spent time at Atletico and was very happy there. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, um, His children are out there and he wants to go and stay with his kids. Fair enough. It's a very sort of human need to go and be with your children. 
and he doesn't see them enough. I know a lot of footballs, footballers do deal with that. But, you know, if he says that, absolutely his right to want to go out there. Um, Chelsea fans, I think, have had a difficulty with Courtois because he does often talk about Real Madrid. His methods of um, of getting his what he wants out. He's not always been so delicate or thoughtful of how he talks and maybe he talks too often he also um, holds himself very highly he thinks I think he does think he's the best goalkeeper in the world I think he's a very good goalkeeper I don't think he's the best in the world I also am inclined to think he is probably one of the lesser suited good goalkeepers for Sari's system Sari demands a quick passing style of play and we've all seen Courtois you know, just have a really poor passing ability, kicks it out, you know, is frightened on the ball sometimes when he has to play it out quickly. You know, Jordan Pickford would be a much better passing goalkeeper for the style than Courtois, yet Courtois, you know, probably a better all-round keeper due to his shot-stopping ability. Anyway, so there's two things to look at it with Courtois now. We either sell him, get a replacement in, it will be a hindrance on the beginning of our season, but you know, it wouldn't be like losing Kante or Eden Hazard. Or we keep him for the year and let him run down this contract. I'm inclined to think that's the better idea. Because if we sell him now, we get like what, thirty million, but I think his uh he will be so valuable in us reaching the top four or having a you know really good Europa League run. That thirty million will be made up in in that time anyway, in terms of results, and it will give us twelve months to actually find a suitable replacement without rushing. So that's what I'm inclined to think, and that's what I think will probably happen. You know, um, so we'll have to see. I, you know, I'm I fully, fully think there's no chance of him signing a new a new deal at Chelsea. So that's the deal with Courtois. Um, I'm not going to go around all the players, but I do want a quick mention to uh, a bit quick mention of Angolo Kante. Uh, obviously, <laughs> sublime player, World Cup winner, PFA winner, Premier League winner twice, FA Cup winner. <laughs> this guy's crazy, and he's um, I don't want to say he's redefined the mo- uh, the excuse me redefined the position, but you know he's a bit Makaleli, but he's got a bit more. I think he's he's just such a superb player. There's talks of him maybe going, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he is grateful for Chelsea. Um, you know, the argument might be made that he obviously won the Premier League with uh, Leicester and left Leicester to go to Chelsea, but I think it is a bit different with Chelsea. He did watch players like McAuley. He obviously had that admiration for the club, Chelsea, and he's sort of there. And um, yeah, I think you know, I I think. He'll sign a new improved contract because I think he's on about 100k a week. And for a player of his importance and consistency, if you look at some of the comparison, you know, Sanchez is what, on best part of half a million a week, which is just crazy. But, you know, Kante, his age <clears throat> and um, his ability and how he, you know, how he holds himself so humble, such a sweet, such a sweet man. I think uh, he should, you know, be up there with uh, Eden Hazard, really. They, we should offer them similar contracts in my opinion anyway so I've talked about what happened with Conte what's going on at the moment with players uh, it is all up in the air hopefully everybody settles down <laughs> Hazard and Kante sign new contracts they're all excited about the new expansive football under Sari and 
hopefully the players I imagine the players are more inclined to not worry about his trophyless resume than the fans because they sort of believe in themselves and I think they're very interested in the brand of football they're playing he's a great coach he got 91 points with Napoli or however many it was the most amount of points Syria a team has had in Syria to come second um, it's a difficult season for you to have Juventus have such an excellent season as well and if you look at the trajectory of Sari's career it's very little time in top uh, at the top level and that's even you know you could what he did with Empoli that's great success right with the promotion and then the second season under them so it's really just Napoli at the top level and he's really brought them really up in you know into the conversation of titles in a short amount of time so to be honest you can't really have done much better and the fact how he's playing such exquisite you know entertaining football you'd prefer that him to be doing that than say have won some sort of league cup or something but you know that's uh it's a sort of stat that's going to follow him until until he does win a trophy but as long as uh, us Chelsea fans are realistic about it and grown up and look at the full picture then it won't be a problem all right so that's the story of the club at the moment that's where we're at um I suppose uh, I should discuss the Community Shield yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, we were wrecked by a City team. I know it was 2-0, but that flattered us. But it's uh, it would be silly to read too much into this. Because, um, let's look at it. Okay, so Pep's on his third year with this City team. They are indeed the Centurions, in inverted commas, you know, immaculate incredible season last season um even you know a couple of them weren't back notably Kevin De Bruyne they still had on the pitch you know Sergio Aguero Gabriel Jesus came on Mares, Sane Bernardo Silva Fernandinho (laughs) when we had like you know Willy Caballero who you know actually had an excellent game in terms of making saves in front of him it was just such a uneven matchup to what to you know to our midfield, Sesc apparently had a knock, he looked off the pace, Barkley's miles off from being properly back into the game and having um, Sari's ideas fully implemented into his uh, little scouse noggin. So, you know, the matchup was ridiculous. I, we couldn't really... Well, again, it was an unknown quantity, you don't know what was going to happen, but I think 2-0 did flatter Chelsea. We um, It could have been, It could have been more, but, you know... I'm not worried at all. There were glimpses, like there has been in the whole of preseason, glimpses of what Sari wants to do. These sort of combinations of play, um, the high press. How uh, when we're pressing in their half, even out of possession, there's four men forward. Um, it's you know it's great seeing what he wants to do. You know, obviously, I think there was a few kind words exchanged. Well, there's always a lot of positive words exchanged between him and Pep. Which is high praise, you know. At the moment, Pep's probably the best coach in the world. Um, you know, Sari, regardless of his quite old age, still in the early days of his managerial career. You know, he, now he has the tools with Chelsea to really sort of flex his guns and see what he's got. Because um, I do think he's an absolutely excellent coach. Um, a lot of uh, big football names in the game also feel the same about Sari. So, I wouldn't read too much into the result. Um, probably, 
the most notable thing to discuss and has been for the whole of preseason is the game time that's been given to a certain Callum Hudson-Odoi. So he's one of our Utes, um, obviously an outstanding talent. Uh, we knew about him for maybe, well, say we, I knew about him from listening to other podcasts, Chelsea podcasts, over the last sort of 18 months maybe, uh, talking about him. He's uh, sublime on the ball. Um, he was our best player <laughs> in the Community Shield yesterday. And I tell you, against Arsenal, I was looking at one of these, uh, you know, player ratings. Um, of all the players that featured in the Chelsea-Arsenal game, he was uh, the highest ranked just looked superb, was roasting Bellerin over and over and over, which was quite funny. Um, he's been great. He's just been a... His demonstration of a skill, ability, finishing, but I think above all... Let's be clear, this is a 17-year-old kid. He's playing up against, you know, 30-year-old, super experienced, big players of the game, but he never makes the wrong decision. Ever. <laughs> And, you know, I know it's a strong contrast in comparison, but when you look at a very out-of-confidence Alvaro Morata just playing right up next to him, that's constantly, you know, hitting the ball, you know, skying or making the wrong decision. And every single time there's a calm and collected Hudson-Odoi, maybe because the pressure's off. I mean, potentially I'm being a bit unfair because he knows, like, oh, you know, I'm a kid. They rate me so highly regardless. Let's just go out there. Whereas Morata's shitting himself at the moment. Um, so, you know, he can afford to just, I don't want to say he looks nonchalant because he he doesn't. He just looks so calm and collected. He makes the right moves, right decisions, and everyone's understandably very excited about him. Again, Chelsea FC, unknown quantity of what's going to happen, so we'll have to see what happens. But Sari has come out and said some positive things about how he does want to include him in the first team. I think he'll be integral in the Europa League run. We will have to see about that. But, yeah, he's been absolutely excellent, you know. Um, I hope he does stay with the first team. Obviously, Hazard will start in that, in that place before him. But, you know, going under his wing as well, it's not like there's worse players in the world to be sort of training with in the same position. And like I said, I'm sure he'll get starts in Europa and in the Cups. All right. Um, I mean, there's not really much, too much to say more about the Community Shield. Um, I don't want to review pre-season generally because... It's just a new style, you know, we've we've have, haven't got all our players back, um, there's, you know, as I said before, there are glimpses of what Sari's trying to implement, and at times, you know, the hashtag Sari ball was going off on Twitter, people were getting excited, like, it's happening at Chelsea, and, you know, I think, give us some weak opposition to start developing that style, it will look very exciting. Um, uh, other players, really, I think the only one I want to mention is that the third slot in the midfield free in the midfield free excuse me because let's be straight for the starting 11 Kante and Jorginho are going to be a shoe in uh, Jorginho obviously looks imperative to well his um his role as the register director sitting uh, in front of that back four that's integral rather to uh, Sari style why he brought him with him so he'll be starting what a player he looks by the way a little bit shaking at Wembley but uh, in terms of ability of what he's demonstrated so far, reason to be incredibly excited about what he, uh, what kind of stats he'll be popping out later. <clears throat> so, him, uh, of course, and Golo Kente will be there. 
And it's that third slot, really, isn't it? Um, allegedly, Sari really does fancy Barkley. He's been doing one-to-one sessions with him. He thinks he's a very technically gifted player, which we as a Premier League and Chelsea fans would have seen him play in leagues uh, in the league a few years ago. We know he's got the ability, even if he comes across a little bit gormless. He's an incredibly talented and intelligent uh, football player, certainly on the ball. Again, it's yet to be seen whether he can really fill the boots of a Chelsea midfielder. And also brings up the topic of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, our boy, our academy star (laughs) of old. Um, It's difficult. I'm going to answer a a couple of questions, or certainly a question about Ruben Loftus-Cheek at the end of the pod, where I will be answering a couple of questions, so I'm going to put a pin in that. Um, so yeah, that's probably it for players at the moment. We'll have to see when everyone comes back. I'm not sure we're going to make another signing. There was talks of another midfielder. Maybe the sort of battering against City will force Granite Sky or the board to be like, all right, you know, I'll give you one more wicked player because that looks a bit worrying. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, okay, guys, now... Um, Every show I want to answer questions and I'll be putting out questions prior to recording onto my Twitter page at Chelsea Yannick, which is the Yannick on Chelsea Twitter. I have got a few questions that you guys put out. I'm going to be going through those now, so let's see what we got. Okay, so I did mention earlier about Ruben Loftus-Cheek, cow. I knew I had a question about this, so I wanted to wait. Okay, so Gertej Batal, he wrote... Does Ruben Loftus-Cheek have a realistic chance of staying and getting first-team football? Why do you think he's never been given a chance? When at the World Cup he proves he belongs at the top level and his body type is so strong, powerful and quick? Right, that's a great question and very concise description about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He is incredibly powerful, strong. He's quick. He's a ball carrier. He can hold up a play and he can win fouls. That's all true. Um... He has been very good at the top level as well. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think the World Cup would be the best example. I think we'd, it would be better to look at how he contributed to Palace's good run. And uh, was it against... I can't, I can't remember if it was against Germany or Brazil. I think it was against Germany when uh, he won Man of the Match in an, an international friendly against a strong side. Um, and, you know, people got suddenly going, Oh, God, you know, he's really come of age. He's looking, he's looking excellent. So he has proven himself. Um... He's had a hard run at Chelsea because he was like the wonder kid for a while. <clears throat> and, um, you know, Jose said some incredible things about him saying, oh, this kid is, you know, the one, da 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 da. He had one bad game and <laughs> took him off and we never saw him again, which can't be fair. You know, you got to give these kids a, a run of games. Um, he had a problem with injuries and staying fit long term, which only exacerbated his, uh, uh, his cause to play. So he's had it. He's had it difficult, uh, and you know, much like other problems in Chelsea, he just hasn't had the time to sort of settle and get going. Um, I personally think he's an excellent player. <clears throat> it's just if you want to be the top top team like Chelsea, Premier League winning, and really have a decent run in the Champions League, is he going to be that man? I've never really known. If you've seen, we do all love him to be that man because he's a young English lad. He was at the academy since he was six years old. So the romance of it does come into it. No matter what you say, you're always going to be slightly influenced by that sort of idea. Um, 
He could be. He could be that guy, but it's not like an obvious choice, I don't think, even so. Like, especially, it's always going to come down to what the manager thinks, you know. Uh, Sorry, on paper, certain ways, he says, oh, I don't care about big names. I don't care about the transfer market. I coach what's in front of me. On surface value, you think, oh, it's going to suit Ruben, isn't it? You know, he's going to see quality there and he's going to be like, right, yeah, I don't need you to sign me a Bakayoko-esque player. I've got this dude, he can do loads. But the only problem for Rubes is I think um, I think Sorry's seen a bit of what he likes in uh, Barkley in terms of more faster technical play on the ball, quick passing. That's not really Ruben's game. Ruben will pick up the ball and it'll run, you know, and it'll terrify you. And he's quite technical, but I just... He may prove me wrong, I may be wrong. I just think the mould of that sort of player Sari's looking for may be more suited to Barkley. But regardless, one would hope Ruben would have his chance in in this team. Um, there's three midfielders places now. There's going to be a hell of a lot of rotation. We've got the Europa League, so we've got those extra 8,942 games. Um, so yeah, I know he says he wants first team or he's going to leave. But we don't know. I mean, that's all I can really say about him. I do agree with you, Gertes, and I uh, hope I pronounced your name right in, in terms of his ability. But um, he does belong at the top level. It's just, is that at Chelsea under this manager? We'd all like to think so. But I think if he can't cut it in terms of what the style, the style that's being implemented is, then we can't be too sour about the situation, it's sad, and if he does go somewhere else and does really well, it would be you know, incredibly upsetting to a degree, but you got to roll with the punches when you support this club, unfortunately, um, so hopefully we get to see him play, and maybe, you know, if he gets some chances, he might just muscle more and more time um, with those bigger guns of his. Right, okay, let's do another question. Robin asks, how do you want Chelsea to line up? <laughs> I want Chelsea to line up how sorry wants Chelsea to line up. Um... I want Hazard. You know what I really want? Okay, the striker issue's a problem. <laughs> Again, this is going on the sort of romantic vibe. Apparently Callum Hudson-Odoi used to be a striker and he can play anywhere across the front three. Let's shoehorn him in. I mean, my sort of... my I do think that he's probably too young and inexperienced to like be the starting 11 kid. He will get his chances, but, you know, give him a couple of years. Imagine him playing like that sort of false nine roaming role just linking up with everyone scoring goals and just beasting it and if he wants to go down the wing he can just you know put the afterburners on anyway I think let's put a pin in Hudson Adore even though I'd love him to start be a bit more realistic again sorry really likes Pedro uh he, he thinks he's very technical and he thinks he's a sort of a, a bit more of a known quantity in scoring goals and Pedro did play this 4-3-3 expansive almost Cruyffian style football at Barcelona it's what kind of what sorry wants to play and he sees that in him he's Italian obviously he doesn't think Pedro is incredibly old it's more of an English thing to think of once you're 30 you're done incidentally uh that's why I think he might be quite into David Luiz technical on the ball doesn't care how he's in his 30s. I know it's different for a centre-back. Um, without going on a tangent too much, he was a bit overly nonchalant for me in the uh, community shield on the ball, looking a bit like old David Luiz, so got me a bit sweaty. Anyway, so Pedro, I think I think Pedro might start over Willian. I'm not sure. It was going to be Pedro or Willian. You know, Willian's not going to go now with three or four days left in the window. So it will be Hazard and Willian on the flanks, and... Um, 
I think Courtois and goal if he stays, like I said. Centre-back pairing, I think he does fancy. He does like Rudiger, and it will be between Louise and Christensen. Christensen might muscle his way in if Louise, old Louise comes back with uh, problems. Um, Alonso's obviously been starting, and I think that's because of how he's delivered for Chelsea these last two years, but Emerson Palmieri suits the left-back role, and certainly under Sarri, so much better. Um... It would be unfair to just throw Alonso out after all he's done, but yeah, you got to be ruthless, and I think Emerson is much better suited at the left-back role. Um, Right-back, obviously, Aspie's a Chelsea legend. I think he should start there. If you look at the analysis of how Napoli played so successfully in Syria, they actually were a bit lopsided. The right-back did tuck in forwards, and the offence was a bit more on the left, which kind of suits, you know, Hazards and stuff. So yeah, he's kind of perfect for that because it almost becomes a back three and he's almost back into his uh, original, well, his, the spot he's been playing in the last two years. So yeah, yeah that's, that's definite for me. I've already discussed the midfield frame, Kante, Jorginho, and that you know, elusive third spot who's going to get it, um, Ruben, Barkley, maybe a new signing, but there you go, one of those. And it leaves us with Striker, <laughs> which is obviously... Been pretty woeful recently with Morata. Um, we all wanted it to work. He started so well. He got, what, seven goals in his first eight games for Chelsea. He looked like an absolute beast when he scored that header at uh, Old Trafford. To, I think it was at Old Trafford. It was against United to, to have that 1-0 win. Oh, I thought, here he is. He's our player. But um, something that's followed him throughout his career is this sort of mentality problem and there's a story where Booth on that to sort of slap him out of it and he, and he had a bit of a cry <laughs> so um you know it's not really following suit with Chelsea strikers of um of old his kind of like a weak mentality I really don't think it's gonna work um and I would have put Mishy Batshuayi there because he he's workhorse, um, he's great in the box he finishes with both feet, he'll get his head on it as well, and if we're throwing in loads of chances in the uh, in the, in the the box through hashtag Asari ball, I'd much rather Batshuayi in there lapping them up and tr- putting them away, and you know, even bloody Tammy, god bless him, he's looked better than Morata, so that's how I want Chelsea to line up a Robin, thanks for your question mate okay, let's have a look here Marcus has there's a question here. Will Abramovich have patience with Sari if he delivers attractive football but uh, finishes outside the top four? Personally, I think he could do something special at Chelsea if given more than one season. I completely agree. Now, you'd want to think they've got to be prepared for a transitional period. They've got to look at what, he do- what he's done and what he hasn't done. And they've got to look at when they appointed AVB. And... You just think common sense would dictate give him a chance to implement this. You know, everyone says, like, look at Pep took a year, even with these, like, ridiculous players. And it's such a difficult question to answer. Abramovich does want attacking football. He's going to see Sarri as an attacking player. Excuse me, manager. He's going to be seeing what, you know, Pep Guardiola is saying all these positive, like, things about him, praising him, waxing lyrical about him. Everything is there to say, give the man time. (laughs) Unfortunately, the Premier League now is more competitive than ever in terms of the top four. Unai Emery's made a lot of sensible signings at Arsenal. They've looked quite pokey at times. It's so difficult to say. Um, 
What if, okay, so what if he finishes, okay, if he wins the Europa League, does what Jose did, I'd like to say, of course, he would stay. If he finishes sixth, wins the Europa League, and has a couple of domestic cup runs, yeah. And if we see the football being played, then everyone will be saying good things about Chelsea. All You know, as idiotic as pundits can be, some of them have come out and said, oh, this is going to take time. So I hope that answers your question, Marcus, rather than me just talking out loud. But I think um, we all want the same thing here. Okay, let's have a look. Ryan has asked a couple of questions. I'll go through those, mate. How big a hindrance has it been that so many players went so deep into the cup? I imagine the World Cup. Um, How do our problems here compare to the other top six? Well, early opposition, I haven't really looked at the lineup. I think, I'm not sure how difficult our run is. Um, obviously, Arsenal basically had their full-strength team against us because um, of, you know, how Aubameyang and Lacazette didn't go to the World Cup and, you know, obviously we had an incredibly <laughs> quick return. Um, Mkhitaryan, etc., etc. So they had their full strength against us. Um, you look at people like City, they had a lot of people away, but... <laughs> It just ain't no thing for them, you know. They're just, um... It does... I think Chelsea and United were stung by it. Uh, Spurs. Bloody all the the Spurs players all play for England and uh, Belgium, so they'll be affected by it. I don't think we can use it as an excuse. Um, Chelsea are used to having pretty much all our players away on international duty, which wasn't the case this time around. I mean, it's it's annoying because of the uh, transition and new coach, but um, in comparison, not as bad as um, you know Spurs having all their players away for longer. I think maybe, but then you like I said, you look at Arsenal and they pretty much had all their players all the time. So I hope that answers that question for your mate. Um, let's have a look. Um, yeah, Ryan asked one more question. Um, he asked about the centre-back pairing. I've sort of covered that already. I do think Rudiger's a shoo-in. And the second spot in terms of the starting will be between Louise and Christensen. I think he does fancy Louise for his sort of like cultured experience. Um, good on the ball, great at passing. But like I said before, he was a bit too nonchalant for me at the Community Shield. And if old Louise comes back with a bit of that... You know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a sweaty time. So Christensen, we know he's a baller. He might, you know, he is the future of Chelsea. I'd, I'd like to think he is. So he might work his way in. Um, he's not like a brute, but I don't think we need brutes in these, um, in the system and style. All right, okay, guys, I'm gonna wrap it up. So thank you for listening to my first podcast, the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Um, I'm going to be putting this out on a distribution platform to get it on all podcast platforms, hopefully. Um, please do listen and subscribe to my podcast. Um, I think it's going to be put out on iTunes as well. I know apparently if you review or give good ratings on iTunes, it actually helps your podcast be found by others. So if you do want to support me, um, please do give it a good review. Um, and why not share it, you know, tell your friends, tell your Chelsea mates. I do hope um, the podcast will get better, some more structure. Like I said, I do want uh, to add guests and other features on it, etc, etc. And please do um, follow me on Twitter, guys, at Chelsea Yannick. That is the Yannick on Chelsea official Twitter, my Twitter, at Chelsea Yannick. 
Alright guys, thank you for listening to the first episode of the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Um, up the Chels, keep the blue flag flying high, carefree, wherever you may be, and all that other Chelsea lot, guys. Alright, thank you for listening.